Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. This is the Tom Bernard Morning Show. The Tom Bernard Morning Show. Streamed every morning on the Tom Bernard Show app and anytime on demand wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, we are back, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Amy, you got to hang out with better people. <laughs> I love Brittany. Our energies really match. <laughs> I know, it's chaotic. What? We're both very excitable and like walk up to people with like a creepy grin. Like that's our vibe. Yeah. Actually, you guys could, you could be relatives. There's no question about that, especially with your hairstyle. Thank you. Thank you. You see what I'm saying? I would love to claim her as a sister. I do anyways. That's how I get into places. I say, he's my sister. (laughs) Could you guys push your mic a little closer? Yeah, I was just going to do that. That'd be great. Thanks very much. And you know, you look like a professional now. Oh, great. Thank you. <laughs> a lot of places that, you know, they would have done that before we went on the air. But, you know, apparently this entire generation is lazy as hell, Amy. That's all I have to say. <laughs> that's it. I'm you're, lazy you're as hell. You tell them to do everything. You're going to do what? I said, that's it. I'm just so lazy. There's no question about it. It's just a given. So, Amy, I met you about a year ago. Maybe, was it longer than that? It was about, it was about exactly, exactly this time, this last, time year. last year. No, there's an echo on <laughs> I think that was my stay muted. I tried to pretend like I knew what I was doing and just hit the unmute. Oh yeah, no, there's yeah different. (laughs) I took I took your compliment that I look like a professional a little bit too far. You actually just took it all into my hands. Another tutorial for you guys at work. There, people have not been on it, so you have to tell them everything they need to do, not just have them sit down. Also, don't unplug your microphone. Uh, Don't turn the lights off. Don't go flip the breakers downstairs. Don't just leave. I think that covers it all. Uh, If there's a fire, follow us. Right? Yeah. Don't stay. (laughs) In the case of an emergency, hide under the table. We cover it all. Honest to God, <laughs> 25 years of this, and this is this takes the cake so far, I will tell you that. Yeah, you know, last time I actually did talk to you, Tom, you were about to retire, and here we are. No, I wasn't retiring. That was a flat-out lie those bastards over there told. <laughs> oh, baby. Well, good. Now I get the retire. real story. <laughs> no, I mean, I don't know why. You know, I agreed to, after 37 years, walked away with a zero uh, payout, and they still tried to F me over. That's how wonderful those people are. Oh. Well, there you go. Welcome to the pod. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, you mean they've done that to other people? I mean, I'm the only person who ever got to turn my key fob in at that place, so. I still have mine. Oh, let's go. <laughs> let's go drink their coffee. Yeah, that was so good. Anyway, let's get back to Amy. This is the important stuff, Amy. Yes. Uh, we did meet, and you do some wonderful work. 12 Moms of Christmas, Newgate Schools, enlist the help of local dealerships and influencers every December. Please don't refer to me as an influencer. I'm glad you didn't bring my name up when you said that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, surprise tw- now, this is the, my favorite part. Uh, they get together every December to surprise 12 single moms with a car stuffed full of gifts. Brilliant idea. Amy, did you come up with the idea? 
I did not. I wish I could claim that. I did not. But I was one of the first um, influencers to be part of the program. So this is my fourth year being involved. Um, Newgate Schools has a program called Wheels for Women throughout the year, where as a single mom, you can apply for a vehicle. And then in December is when they pull in um, some influencers and dealerships to do 12 in a row with 12 single moms. So it is. if I do nothing right the rest of the year, this is like the one thing that I can truly like hang my hat on. And it is the most humbling and just beautiful experience that I get to be a part of. Now, how do you decide who the 12 moms are going to be? So there is an application process they go through. I have no part right. in the selection of that. Um, but in terms of the criteria, they have to be the head of the household, and they have to have at least one dependent. They need to either be working full-time or in school full-time or a combination of both. And they, can, they have to make less than $35,000 wow. a year. I mean, think about that. Ooh. Supporting a, f I, that's what I made my first job out of college. And I felt like I couldn't even support myself, let alone children. Um, so that is, that is a huge, there is a huge need here. And then they also cannot currently own a vehicle or even have like readily accessible access to a vehicle in their household. You know, when I came over last year, I will never forget just me showing up made two women cry. And at first I thought they, it was because they didn't want to talk to me, but then it turned out they were being nice to me. It was so sweet. Honest to God, Amy, I'm not kidding you. It was such a sweet, wonderful day. It was. It absolutely was. It is every year. These women, just their stories stay with me. Their faces stay with me. This is my fourth year being involved. Um, this year we decided, you know, in the past we wanted it to be a surprise. So we were just kind of shooting in the dark in terms of what their needs might be, mm -hmm. kind of guessing gender of their children. We just knew ages and that was it. And this year we really said like, let's make it a bit more impactful. So we put together a short survey of just like some of their specific needs, sizing, et cetera. The thing that is so, um, just humbling is we ask the question of like, aside from a vehicle, what is one thing on your Christmas wish list? And I get emotional talking about it, but both of them, I have two cars that I, that I'm specifically sponsor. Um, across the board though, they all said, I just want a little breathing room financially. I want my kids to be healthy. I want to be caught up on my bills. One of the moms is diabetic and she's like, I have a hard time getting to the pharmacy to get my medication. Um, the other mom is pregnant with her third on the way, and she's like, I can't get to doctor appointments. The winter, winter is coming. They spend half of their income on Ubers and buses. That's a consistent theme across all Ooh. these 12 moms. Think Wait about that. Just one second. They spend half their income on transportation? Yes. Think That's about how terrible. many places you go in a day, yeah, mm -hmm. especially with kids. Yes. With kids, and if you are relying yep. on an Uber, and in some cases, depending on where they live in relation to where they work, they have a hard time even getting an Uber. So then you show right. up late, yeah, or especially like in emergency situations, if the kid's yeah. fever yep. spikes, that's terrifying. Terrifying. And then no, not you don't know what car seat you're putting in there and mm -hmm. their car and all that stuff. Is I mean, it that and yeah. Oh, I just. Tom, mm -hmm. I remember last year, it was me, you know, me and Tom were both raised by single moms. Yeah. And uh, I was shopping with my mom and I had gotten him, I gotten a hold of uh, Tom and you guys had connected and we listened to you on air with Tom and me and my mom are in the parking lot because we were about to go Christmas shopping, bawling and go, go sleeping oh. in the back. And we're both just like, what a special thing. And yeah. I think, I think. If you don't think about it, that's just such an undertaking for anybody to ask them. Sure. It's just so much. Yeah. And like, I don't know. It just it really hits. Yeah. Man. And last year, you know, one of the moms had been in the last like six months was homeless. 
And she finally was able to get a roof over their head. And she said every day she kept looking at their tree being like, how am I going to afford to put anything under the tree for these kids? These kids are young. They still believe in the magic of Christmas. Yeah. Oh. And so she reached out to Toys for Tots and her school and nobody had gotten back to her. And then she showed up to get this vehicle and it was stuffed to the brim oh. of gifts. And she just sobbed and I sobbed and then with Tom you were so generous in thinking about gas money because now you have a vehicle but you have to have they have to be insured so you have to mm -hmm. pay insurance you have to pay for gas yeah you have to think about you know if I blow a tire I know if I get into an accident if someone breaks my window like how are you going to also afford the maintenance of a vehicle and Tom you thought about how much would it cost on average a year in gas money and you provided that and when I gave them this one woman literally fell to her knees sobbing like that's how impactful this is right cut it out i know who's cutting because, onions you know what it's so hard especially if you're yeah. paying rent like getting an apartment is hard we don't realize how right. hard it is because mm, like yeah. sometimes you forget and then to add on it's just yeah. so much well and one of them said you know i need to get my credit back up yeah because think about it like you you know there's just so many things that i feel and i think this season it hit me even harder than years past as i started reading through um their applications because i think with you know i'm on social media a lot because that is part of my job and it is so easy to get caught up in this consumption, yeah. right? Like everybody has the newly remodeled kitchens and everybody's doing the try-on sessions with the boxes of new clothes that they bought. And sometimes I find myself feeling like it's not enough. And this just like, when I started reading these, I get on my Instagram and I am ugly crying going, you guys, this is such a moment to take a step back and think of how much we have to be grateful for and all the little things that we take for advantage. Yeah. And that is what my holiday season has been about. And I'm able to then like help um, bring that back to my children. They get very involved in this process as well. We talk about it all the time. Yeah. You know, one thing I got to mention is it all started at the very beginning when Amy started talking and the first time her voice cracked and was like, Oh God, I, know. <laughs> I am a crier. I know I am too. I, I was like, this is the season where if you turn onto my Insta stories, you're just going to see me ugly crying. Cause I am not a pretty crier, <laughs> but I am I, shameless. I, uh, and just, this is, this is a real, these are real feelings. And it is hard not nope. to get very emotionally involved in, in these women's lives. And isn't that what this season's really all about? Yes, the kids love getting the gifts, but for adults, they go, oh, I, I don't care for Christmas anymore. Yeah. Why? Because you're not getting gifts. Maybe it's your turn to turn mm -hmm. around yeah. and give instead yeah. of get. Yeah. And, and the, other thing, the other thing, too, I think that it does is it gives them hope, right? Uh -huh. they, they think, yep. okay, somebody cares. Somebody cares enough to do this for me. Um they also, you know, one thing that's always been really important for me as I start to look at like, how can I help? It's not just like you said, it's not just having the gifts and it's, it's how do we set them up for success in the new year? So I always look for donated services. So one of the moms is finishing school and the other's goal is to um, start her own business. So I connected with my friend, Brittany Habor, who is a life and career coach and she's donating her services to these women. Like, think about that. That's huge for them. Um, even like family photography, that's a luxury that they cannot afford. And because they are single moms, they don't have anyone to go here. You get in the picture. Let me yeah. take that for you. So my friends at Profeshi, um, we're setting up a whole day and we're going to do a photo shoot with all the moms and their children and just like things like yeah, that, so you know, and it's like meal planning services. I've worked with a financial planner in the past. Um, so all of those services, I think really, again, just give them hope. 
And then my favorite thing ever is when I get um, notes from them, like they'll, they always have my number. You, you can, you know, reach out. I love to keep in touch. And I would get a, a text like a year later and she's like, I finally got my esthetician license and I'm now able to like work because I can get the, like those things. It's like that mattered, that mattered and that made a difference in their lives. And here they are a year later in a completely different spot. Isn't that just wonderful? I, see, this is what I love about Christmas. A very quick story that it wasn't growing up as a boy. I tell my mother someday when I become successful, I'm going to give you a lot of money. And she's okay, Tom. She's going, no. Yeah, okay. We're living, you know, on Plymouth and Bryant at the time. And she's like, yeah, sure you will. No, I mean, she was very sweet about it. But many, many years, thank God for the, the luck that I've had and all the rest of it. I gave my mother a very large check. Mm. I mean, it was a lot of money, mm -hmm. right? She said, I don't need this money. I said, that's not the issue. I promised you years ago I would do this and I want to do it. So I'm doing it. And she turned around and gave all of it away to women in need. That's why I just teared up. Yeah. It reminded me my mother took all of the money and gave it away to people mm -hmm. who needed it. That's the kind of woman who raised me. Yeah. It's it's wonderful. Mm -hmm. I can't even imagine. If, first of all, my mother didn't drive, so the car she would have given that away too. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine, though, her life? Like Tom thinking about her getting on that bus or like go, heading to work yeah. an hour early and then take waiting for the bus. Like your mom worked her Mm -hmm. ass off for things other people just kind of take advantage of. I mean, I don't yeah. think, you know, things you don't think about is getting to work sometimes. Yeah, yeah. That inspired me, but that's why things like 12 Moms of Christmas are so important to me because yeah. this mm -hmm. really does need to happen and I'm really glad you stepped up. Yeah. All of you stepped up and got this done. People do not really realize, you know, if you're living out in Whispering Acres and you got a lot of dough, you don't realize it's not just people you know, that are on this program or that program or the people need your help. Mm -hmm. And if one of us could pick one of them and take care of them, that'd be a great way to do that. Mm -hmm. to be, mm -hmm. Anyway, what you're doing is yeah. the perfect way to ha actually help these moms. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes too, another theme is they've said, like one of the moms, she's, you know, it's like, where do you see yourself in a year? And one of them said, I want to use my voice to help other women to know it's okay to ask for help. And I think that is something, and Brittany, you can probably attest to this as well. As women, sometimes it is really hard to ask for help. And so I think that's another um, misconception sometimes. It's like these women are trying so hard. They're yep. trying to do it themselves as best they can. Um, but everybody needs help every now and again. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would think so. I, it's the wonderful thing, as I said, about this season. Uh, it used to be a wonderful thing about being an American. Americans used to be very, very giving, and apparently, in some cases, they still are, but not like they used to. Mm -hmm. I don't know. The, the world right now, particularly seeing your name on the list this morning, Amy, was great for me because people are so mean right now, and I don't know why they want to be that way. And to have someone in, like you in studio talking about 12 Moms of Christmas it elevates my spirits, makes me happier this time of the year. Yeah. There are, I know it's, don't watch Fox or CNN because you won't see them on there. There are really decent people still in the world. Absolutely. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, yeah. And I think, you know, one thing that I did personally this year is I, have a t I am a personal shopper and fashion stylist. So um, this season when there's the sales everywhere, I tend to just go ham on buying for myself. And this year I was like, this weekend, I am not buying a single thing for myself. And I'm going to put all my energy into creating an Amazon registry list so that people can shop from there. I'm finding where the sales are and I'm posting saying, this mom could use this, this child could use that. And every single thing it was like immediately like someone would buy it immediately someone would buy it. and that just made me feel so good because i remember seeing videos back in like the two, early 2000s black friday and people are 
you know, mulling over each other yeah. and, and fighting for a TV. And it's like this year, I do feel like there are so many good people that are willing to say, you know what, instead of shopping for me, I'm going to shop for someone else this year that could use it more. It is a wonderful thing. I need to mention this. The deadline to donate is December 10th. They can Venmo by me. I'm talking about Amy here. It's not me. (laughs) (laughs) Tom slips his Venmo in there. (laughs) Venmo me all your cash and then talk about being helping people out and then steal your money. That'd be great. Uh, They can Venmo, Venmo. I'm sorry. I can't even get this out. Amy at Amy Dash Seaman, S E E M A N, or email her at mama seaman at gmail.com with questions or an opportunity to contribute. Again, the deadline to donate is December 10th. So that's only a couple of weeks, not less than two weeks away. Yeah, as a matter yeah. Of fact. yeah we are coming down to the wire. Um, I think yep. the biggest unmet needs right now specifically are experiences. So that's something that both of the moms um, had mentioned that they were would love to be able to do like take their their kids are three and six so burning off energy right so nickelodeon world like unlimited wristbands nickelodeon um, minnesota zoo membership urban air um sky zone any of that play cafes that stuff is huge and then grocery gift cards is another one and Mm -hmm. of course cash so my goal is always to save as much of the cash as I can to give them in cash and then collect all like goods and um, toys just from what people have donated. So that's kind of where I'm at right now of what I need specifically the most help with in the next uh, 10 days or less. Do you remember when this happened and what it was that inspired you to do this? Um, It was actually 2020 was the year that I got involved. So it was right during the pandemic. and Apple Autos is the dealership that I work with specifically, and they reached out to me, and it was just like an immediate hell yes, like I will absolutely do this. And then after being there and experiencing it, I was like, every single year, please ask me, I like I want to do this. And it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and our impact is larger, the awareness around it is larger. Um, I did have a little bit of a breakdown last week um, where I was feeling so stressed because I set goals for myself of how much I want to raise every year. And I was like, I'm only halfway to my goal. And my husband said, I know, honey, you get stressed about this every year. And I said, you know what though? I will take this stress. I will take this stress for these moms because imagine the stress they have every single day. Let me stress about their holidays. I will take that and do that for them. Now we're going to have to invite a prick in to balance the thing. I tell you, honestly, God, it's so great to have you in the studio. Thank and you. by the way, I got to mention this quickly. I grew up a nice Catholic boy in North Minneapolis. And when you said Apollato, I thought you were talking about some Italian kid's grandfather. Apple Auto. <laughs> I know when you first said it, I was like, oh, I, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Papa Apollato's coming in. Yeah. <laughs> it did sound like that. Look, I mean, to, to, to have five people tearing up sitting in the studio for something real. It's, yeah. These are not fake tears and fake yeah. emotions. These are real emotions because we all know either we've been through it or we yeah. all know people who have been through it. And all you ever hear of is that we're going to help this person. We're going to help that person. It, does it ever happen? I don't know. Yeah. I hope it does. But things like this, 12 moms of Christmas and, and particularly at this time of year, mm-hmm. but, but thank you per- personally, because when I tune on the news at night, I can only watch it for about two minutes. The national news, I can watch two minutes of Fox and two minutes of CNN. I can't stand either one of them, so I watch local news, which is a lot mm-hmm. better. But this time of the year, for all the hatred going on in the world yeah. right now, it's people like you that make this mm-hmm. holiday season very, very special. 
Thank you. Well, thank you for having me and just giving me access to your listeners and this platform to share more about this story and how everyone can help. Well, thanks again for making me cry. Yeah, Bye. right. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> we can make this a regular Tuesday thing if you want. <laughs> it was so great. I just saw my wife outside the door because I can see her going by. And I, can, I couldn't hear her, but I know she was going, you know what else happened? <laughs> She's teasing me. Damn it. But in any case, Amy, come back if you. And by the way, if if you uh, the, the don't uh, the uh, deadline to donate is December tenth. So if you'd like to make another appearance and ask people to send send, oh, I, we'd love to have you. Wonderful, I will take you up on that absolutely. All right, Brittany, you got you got full control of this, don't you? Oh, I lo- love it. I I love crying at nine and a.m. <laughs> <laughs> Cry like a baby. I got to get a Kleenex during this break. Oh my god. I know, but that's, you know what, this is good, this is good to see and good to hear for people because you watch the news and it's nothing but meanness and hatred and I'm sick to death of it. And Tom, how, I mean, all I want to do, and I'm sorry to say this because I know you could always get mad at me, but like, I just want to call my mom and be like, you are so tough, you are so Mm -hmm. strong. She never made us worried about like, if Santa, I always knew Santa was going to bring me gifts Mm -hmm. and like, my mom was a teacher, you know, and had three kids Mm -hmm. and like. Who can make that kind of magic with that? And she, I always just, I never knew any of the stuff that she went through. And so when I think about it, I always go, I got to call my mom and say thanks. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I can close with the same kind of feeling, not trying to one up anybody or no. whatever, just talking about what really happened in life. Yeah. I would watch my mother every month sitting down at the kitchen table weeping because she couldn't pay the bills. Oh. And for people who have never seen that kind of thing, it's very hard to watch. Yeah. It inspired me to get off my ass and do something in life. And then I ruined her life by going into radio. There's but that. Then- There's that. <laughs> we both are huge disappointments. Exactly. Well, you know, doctor, lawyer, oh, disc jockey. That's great. <laughs> okay, that's cool. You're going to really make a difference out there. <laughs> Amy, I adore you. You're a oh, wonderful person. You, we need a lot more people like you. 12 months, uh, 12, excuse me, 12 months, yeah. It should be 12 months of Christmas. Right? 12 moms of Christmas, ladies and gentlemen. And how do they reach out to you again, Amy? Um, you can follow along on the story on my Instagram, which is at mama, M-A-M-A, and then semen, S-E-E-M-A-N. Um, that's where I do all the ugly crying, but I also do share the day of, and just so that you can feel a bit connected to how um, how the moms received all of these gifts. And then again, uh, Venmo or email is a perfect way to connect if you have a business that you want to um, that you think would donate or you want to get involved. One thing I've been challenging people is if your team typically does something for a holiday for a family, this is an amazing cause to get behind. Collect goods, go over your lunch break, go shopping together at Target. Bring it to me. One thing I will say is it does not need to be wrapped if you are going to donate gifts. Mm-hmm. Um, we do it color-coordinated by car, so nothing gets mixed up. But, yes, so email me if you have questions on where to drop things off or if you want to donate a service. And then if you just want to donate cash that is absolutely needed, I mean, even just 5 to $25 adds up. And they can do that where? They can do that at Venmo. So it's at Amy-Semen. Yep. And I'll, I'll post it on our socials, too. Wonderful. That's a wonderful thing. Amy, come back before Christmas. I will. I would love to. Thank you. Or before December 10th, I yeah. guess it'd be even better because yeah. December 10th is the deadline to donate. Thank you, my dear. Great Thank to you. see you again. You too. And thanks for making me cry. I really appreciate <laughs> You're it. You're welcome. I'm such a tough guy. <laughs> <laughs> we got to take a break. We'll be right back. This is the Tom Bernard Show. Listen live at TomBernardShow.com or on the Tom Bernard Show app. 
Is that text you're sending so important that you missed your turn? Is that text you're sending so important that you ran the red light? Is that text you're sending so important you didn't see the ball coming onto the road or the child that followed? Hi, I'm Mike Bryant from Bradshaw and Bryant. When you take your eyes off the road for even four seconds, your vehicle travels 100 yards. That's the entire length of a football field. If you absolutely have to text, you need to pull off the road somewhere safe and do it from there. Texting and driving is against the law and can cause serious injury or even death to you and others. Now that is important. We hope you're never injured in a collision, but if you are, please contact us. Find Bradshaw and Bryant, personal injury attorneys at minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Going farther with Mike Bryant on your side, seeking justice for the injured. Bradshaw and Bryant. Recently, Jim Paul of Valley Buick GMC was contacted by a company that does on-site sales. Jim was confused. Wait, they don't know anything about us. Our staff, our reputation, most importantly, our customers. Hey, pal, no problem. We do them all over the country. You know, get the manager off the roof sale, inflatable gorilla sale, and our favorite, the 13-hour sale with a giant clock that goes to 13. Urgency, baby. We bring our crew because, well, your people are, let's just say, a little uh, laid back. And the pricing? Nothing special, sport. But Jim thought, we price competitively every day. Our prices are special. We definitely don't need these guys. But sale does convey some urgency, so we made a bold decision for his fine dealerships. Announcing the Valley Buick GMC 365-day sale. And we can even extend it a couple years or so. I got the Air Dancer guy, scratch off plastic keys, bubble machine five. Valley Buick GMC in Apple Valley or Hastings or valleycardealers.com. Hurry. Before you head back to one of the big box stores for your hunting and shooting needs this season, do yourself a favor and visit my choice, KNL Surplus and Ammo in Lino Lakes. Not only does KNL have one of the widest selections of firearms and ammo in the Twin Cities, they also do business the right way. They want to make sure that you have the right firearm and the right ammo for your needs. Jim, the owner, has over 25 years of experience in the business and will help you find what you need at a fair price. Speaking of prices, a lot of stores are using inflation and supply shortages as an excuse to raise prices on ammunition. Not KNL. Jim's doing everything to hold the line on pricing so you can spend more time on the range. Find out for yourself why KNL Surplus and Ammo has been the choice of gun owners for over 25 years. Go in and chat with Jim in person at the store on Lake Drive and Lina Lakes or online at klgunstore.com klgunstore.com All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. This is the Tom Bernard Morning Show Podcast. And I like how you flip everybody around there like after every break. They're moving to different spots. I like it. Yeah, we, you got, we there? Got, there you go. Yeah, we had a little, uh, with Amy coming in with the five-person rotation, I wanted to uh, get things back to where people maybe usually expect them yeah. to be. A little musical chairs. Yeah. Why don't you move them up to the right, though, so they're in front of you, not me. <laughs> Why don't you move us off screen, Tom says. <laughs> move us. 
Thank you again, Brittany. I know you teed that up and set that whole thing up. That was very, very special. It's, and in particularly this time of year, just I'm thinking about my mother and I'll be thinking about her all day now because of you. Oh, Tom, I feel exactly the same way. I like I gave her a big hug when she left and I'm like, I got to think of ways to help her out because it's such yep. an important program. So I'm going to try to think of some creative ways because it's just, yeah, it's so cool. Indeed. Let me know when Charles is ready to go, if you would. Yep, we will do. I'm right. still waiting on the call. Not a problem. We'll take care of it. So um, that was pretty interesting because I was looking at the screen and I kind of leaned back because I did get choked up. There's no question. And I'm looking up. I wasn't the only one getting teary-eyed, I'll tell you that. I instantly will cry when you're talking about single moms. And you know what I was thinking about when she mentioned? You have this weird, I mean, Tom, you probably feel this way. Like, especially if you have a kid, you're like, I'm supposed to have it all together. And I'm not Mm -hmm. supposed to have, I'm not supposed to ask for help. I'm not, I'm, and it's just like, you've never felt so vulnerable, but you've also feel like you have to take it on yourself. And it's just like, that's just not the case. Like sometimes a little bit of help will get you so much farther in yep. life, but it's, yep. it's, it's hard to ask for help. Yeah. And well, and especially when she was talking about, you know, the one lady that she kept in contact with that became like an esthetician. Yeah. It's like, yeah, this one moment could potentially break the cycle of negative things that keep, you know, weighing somebody down. And now you're able to, you know, get out from underneath it for good. Being in debt and are being like in the court system when you're trying to like, fix your life mm-hmm. is so hard to get out of. Like you just sometimes need that little bit of push. And I'm not saying like everybody in the court system wants to get better, but the people that want to, sometimes it's really hard if you are driving mm-hmm. without um, tabs and then you have like a parking t- and it's just like, you just can't get out of it. And there's just, it's so hard. And I don't think people realize that there are people out there that are like living paycheck to paycheck. So one parking ticket can yep. really just, mess everything up and it's just yeah it's it's that time of year i do think it would feel better to give something there than like she said there's moments where i'm like oh i'll buy a gift for you know my sister and a gift for me and it's like no i think it's i think i gotta focus on some of this stuff like going forward well that's a wonderful thing and you learned that from your mother i'm sure oh my mom has the biggest heart in the whole okay can we be done i'm so done (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> all right never mind oh, she's never so mind. she's just so good and she I always your mother my mom so always good. shows up for everybody and i just mm-hmm. she's so good and i don't want to talk about it anymore <laughs> <laughs> i don't want to be positive about my mother oh, forget it i love her so I'll much i'll tell you something Brittany. Uh, my mom's been gone since 2008. 2008 was not a good year for me, I will tell you that, because the economy collapsed and my mother died. That was a real thrill. That's not the one you want. That's not the one you So 15 years later, I, I, I still think of her every day, no question about it. The, things that she, the stuff that she gave up so her children could live a better life. It's kind of what you're talking about. Yeah. I mean, you went through, through periods when your mom was on her own, right? Uh, nope. Oh, like, you never did? Oh, I thought no, I mean, you did when I was it. like probably super little, but for the most part. Oh, I was yeah. when you were very, very young. Yeah, but no, not anything that like I have any memory of. So then you ruined some other guy's life. That's uh, what you're correct. saying. Yep. You just dropped the ball and that's all there is to it. Yeah, and, you know. yeah no, I have I have no no sob stories. My childhood was was pretty good growing up. So No, no, not so, these are not sob stories, you pill. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they are. They're definitely oh, you're, you're literally crying while telling the stories. I think that's by definition a sob you're story. You're a sob story. Yeah. Your face is, your face is a sob story. <laughs> <laughs> She's turning on you now, Tevin. 
no question about it. But yeah, it's it's so special to know that there are people. Again, we we talked about this several times on the show, but uh, in the past two years, and I'm not one of those. And it's because of Trump, and it's because of Biden. That's I don't do that bullshit. There are many many different factors, uh, but compared to two years ago, poor families, all families. But poor families among them are paying $9,000 a year more for the goods and services they need. $9,000 in just a two-year period is a hell of a lot of money. That's a, I mean, it's just so much. And everything went yep. up except our, you know, our salaries. Mm-hmm. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like, what? How can you expect people to live? I just, yeah. it's just, we're not living in a world. And then it's like. How can you expect people to own a house someday? They can't. Right, right yeah. And like, because I was looking at it too, where you have people that they go, oh, yeah, I'm raising, you know, three kids, I have a house and all these, and I'm, you're doing what on the same amount of money? Like, I, I can't know. barely get by. You're now yeah. responsible for three other living beings? Like, absolutely not. I know. But some people just walk away from it, and that it oh. causes a lot of problems. Oh, man. terrible, right? Like, these women are out here fighting, and some people, you're right, just walk away. It's true. You good to go, AJ? Yeah, we are all set. Ladies and gentlemen, our very special guest, the HBO documentary film South to Black Power, the release date is uh, today, I do believe. Yeah, it's the 28th today. Good. I wanted to make sure that our special guest, Charles Blow. How you doing, Charles? I'm well. How are you? Oh, I cannot hear him at all. Charles, could, could you speak a little bit? Just make sure we get a good volume Hello? on you. I'm well. How are you? You're a good man. Now you sound perfect, Charles. I'm doing very, very well. Great, and I'll get great. this out of the way very quickly. So are you related to Curtis? I am not. That is his stage name, strangely enough. I know, but I thought maybe you were related anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Charles, this is an interesting idea. And I got to tell you something. By coincidence, and I'm kind of glad that it you know, turned out this way. The timing of it's perfect because I, I just drove from Minneapolis to the deep South and uh, driving through, you know, the Mississippi's and uh, Georgia and a bunch of different States. Charles Blow, a journalist commentator and op-ed columnist for the New York times, a political analyst for MSNBC, New York times columnist, Charles Blow is the subject of the film, the film, uh, the HBO documentary film South to black power. You were, really encouraging African-Americans, black people everywhere to move to the South. It's an interesting idea, Charles. How'd you come up with this idea? Yeah, I guess, you know, uh, uh, the, the, the thing that uh, sparked my interest was reading about how this had worked in Vermont. Um, and, you know, uh, in the 70s, two law students at Yale published this this paper in the Yale Law Review telling all the young hippies who were protesting against the, the Vietnam War, like, this is not the way to do it. If you really want power, you have to get, get it on a state level. You have to take over a state. They call it radical federalism. And they mm-hmm. proposed Vermont. So it, nobody really saw this in a, in a law review. And so a writer for Playboy, of all places, picks it up and writes this thing about, you know, telling young people, take over Vermont. And some people were already moving there as part of the back of the land movement, but people moved. And thousands of these young white hippies moved to Vermont, and they transformed the state of Vermont from one of the most liberal states, the most conservative states in the country, to now mm-hmm. one of the most liberal states in America. It is where Barack Obama won his largest percentage of the white vote in 2008. It is incredibly liberal, and they did this. 
They transformed an entire state. And I figured if they could do this, it can be done for black people as well to just simply not to set up something new, but to reestablish something because mm-hmm. three Southern states were already majority black at the end of the Civil War and three others were within eight percentage points. The only reason they lost those majorities is because they were, you know, white terror kind of ran them away from the South. God, what an amazing story. Black Americans should move back to the South to create majority black states to reclaim the land, political representation, and culture that they left behind. Could you do me another favor, Charles, if if several black people do move to the South? Because I just drove through the South, as I said. Mm-hmm. And at one point, I got out of my car, and I was, I was gassing up the car, and I go in to you know buy a, a bottle of water or whatever, and I came out, and there were two guys, both white guys, standing by their truck, and I couldn't understand one damn word they were saying, Charles. So could you improve on that? <laughs> I'm telling you, Charles. I'm not kidding. He's like, what a hole, hole, hole. I'm like, what the hell are you? I could not understand one word they were saying, Charles. I need help. Listen, I lived in New York for 23 years. If I drove into certain parts of uh, Long Island, I couldn't understand what they were saying. I think <laughs> That's <laughs> very true. <laughs> it's an interesting idea. And as you pointed out, Charles, it's already been done. Uh, Probably. No, I got to ask you this one question. I still get to show up in the South, don't I? Absolutely. Even okay. when you face majority black, they were majority black by one or two or three or four percentage points. So right. Half were there were white. So it's it's not about creating exclusionary racial zones. It is about trying to figure out a way that you have enough power that you can eliminate white supremacy as a as a uh, systemic issue in the country. Right. So if you can figure out ways to make sure your criminal code and your criminal justice system can be devoid or at least rinsed of these systems, you have a better shot at things. I, it is not about black majoritarianism as a, mm-hmm. as kind of a cudgel to use against other people to make sure that other people are not elected or not represented or not present. Absolutely not. In fact, it is, it is a misnomer about the idea of, of uh, integration and multiculturalism that people only believe that they can exist when white people are in the majority. If black people are in the majority, but there are other people present, it is also multicultural. Mm-hmm. Charles, let me ask you a question about, about the situation. Right now, my perception, as I watch the national news, I watch a lot of local news as well, but as I, and I go back and forth between, you know, the, the far left and the far right channels, and I, I try to mm-hmm. float around to find everything. The impression I'm getting, Charles, from all of those news channels, newspapers, local news, no, not so much no, local news, but national stories, it's always about money now. Everything's about money. Is, am I wrong about that? But it's always, always been about money. Yeah, but it's big time now. It's like every move they make is to make a dollar. It, there's nothing. I mean, if somebody, I, I, Charles, I hate to say this, but I grew up oh, was about money. Yeah, but so it's, I, I don't. I don't understand. It, it, you know, there were there there were some justifications used that were racial to, to mm-hmm. support this uh, economic structure. That they they tried to to dehumanize the people that they were using to make the money, so that you could treat them horribly because they weren't human in the same way. What this is what Martin Luther King called the thingification of the Negro. They right, they did right. that. But it was really about money. There were there was tremendous amount of wealth that was being produced in the American South because of enslaved black people, and no one wanted to give that up. 
That is such an amazing thing that has been going on. And it's, I guess maybe, Charles, what I'm saying is it's so blatant now. At least they used to try to hide it. I, maybe they did. I don't know. I, I, don't I mean, know. you would know a lot more about that than I. But now it's just so blatant. It's like the only reason they're doing this is to pocket a bunch of money for themselves. It's, it's really sad. Right. I, I think that there is the, there is, there is the economic uh, 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 rationale, which is a lot of people involved just on that side of things. Uh, and but but also I think that that has existed for also for a very long time. So so you take the period after enslavement, there were a lot of uh, working class white uh, people, farmers who did not own slaves or didn't own very many of them, who were mm-hmm. not a, a planter class who owned a lot of slaves. And what they were trying to do, what the rich people were trying to do, is to make sure that these planters, these young, these planters who didn't have a lot, didn't align themselves with the newly freed black people and outnumber them. So they basically right. started to seed this idea of, of racial superiority in those poorer white people to say, you may be broke, but at least you're not black, and maybe in the end you have a shot at one day being us, so you need to help us to, 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 to uh, maintain this architecture that suppresses black people. So that, that economic motivator is always mixed into the stew. Well, I don't think there's any question about that. Uh, and Charles, if I could, uh, I have a question for you. So as a, I've lived in the South, have family down South, uh, Louisiana, Baton Rouge area. So if we're all going to pack up and move down there, I'm on board. I got my area picked out. But the black community is definitely very skeptical whenever you say, hey, we're all going to go do this. Do you get a lot of pushback when you're talking to people that are like, well, why do you want, why do we all have to move, you know, to the South? Can we accomplish certain, the things that you're trying to accomplish by, you know, staying where we're at? Uh, absolutely. Most, most black people did not move during the Great Migration. There will always be people, really smart people, who advocate against it. The Great Migration had not started when Frederick Douglass died, but uh, the, the Exeter movement, which is people moving to Kansas, did start, and Freddie Douglas was very much against people migrating out of the Deep South, because he believed in what I believe now, which is that your greatest political strength will be in your numbers in those states. And I love Frederick Douglass, right? So, so there will always be smart people who have a counter-argument. Uh, there will always be people who have a reason and rationale not to move. I believe that that is healthy and legitimate. I'm not arguing with that. I'm simply saying that there are people who understand that they want to move. They are not. They don't feel safe, valued uh, where they are. They do not feel like they can progress where they are. And there is an option for those people. And I am trying to present that option to those people. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Tom. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Tim. Oh no, because and I was just saying, then obviously, kind of the in the grand scheme of things, would be kind of getting back to the you know the days of like a Black Wall Street where you're supporting Black business. That's something that you would say you know recommend you know doing now, as opposed to if people that didn't people want didn't to move. Want. Or I guess what would be your overall kind of structure for the plan of executing this? Be well, I mean, uh, uh, the Black Wall Street. That- a lot of those things existed as cities, right? So that was in Tulsa. Mm-hmm. There were very prosperous cities and towns around the South that that met a lot of resistance, and some of them met their demise because of white people's terror and jealousy. Uh, but but what I say to people about this is that's different is there are no cities in the Constitution. Like, I'm literally trying to use constitutional power to, for uh 
the purpose of equality. Half of the power in the country is reserved for the states. That's why it's called the United States of America, because the states have half the power. And the Constitution literally says every power that is not enumerated and either given to federal government or states in the Constitution is reserved for the states. Anything that comes up is a state power that is not already set aside for the federal government. So states have this tremendous leeway, and that cities only exist basically at the leisure of the states. A state can pre- preempt anything a city wants to do, and they, they, the, the cities have only the power that the states allow them to have. So state power becomes the jewel. And that is what I'm trying to get people to see, and that is what I'm trying to get people to access. So Tevin's ready to go. Now I'm going to lose a, 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 radio a radio or a podcast mate here because now Tevin's ready to go, Charlie. Well, Way to go. Well, everything's digital. You can just do it from wherever. Yeah, we'll, we'll do the show remote. I'm going to go I'm gonna go live in the land of barbecue ribs and deliciousness in Louisiana. And yeah, it'll be good. Charles, let me ask you a question. And what I'm trying to do is advocate for your idea here. As I said, I just yeah. need to drive, need to drive. Through, through the South. To me, and I grew up in a, in a black Jewish Catholic neighborhood. That's where I grew up in okay. Minneapolis. And, and as I drove I through the South, through the South you know, stopping in different places, places, to me, people of color, and I'm talking about all people of color, are much happier in the South anyway. Am I wrong about that? You know, I, I don't know if I would, uh, I could go as far as to say, you know, kind of characterize all of them, but I will say this, Steph. There are yeah. 1,200 majority black towns and cities in America. 90% of them are in the American South. In fact, the municipal South, you could argue, is black. Most American, most of the capital cities in the South are majority mm-hmm. black. And so it changes people's relationship to their own governance, and it changes the relationship of power to those people. So you don't have stop and frisk in Atlanta or, or in, you know, whatever, southern cities. That was a New York City phenomenon. That was a, 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 a that, that was exported to California, to L.A. and and Oakland and to Chicago. So you just didn't have the militarization of police and this stance against them. So uh, you know a lot of the those municipal uh, municipalities that are majority black also have had recently majority uh, black um, uh, chiefs of police. It changes people's stance. And also, it, those, those police departments have people who live in community with the people that they are policing, unlike a New York City where most of the police will live on Long Island or Staten Island. And, you, you know, so, it's, it's, so the, there's confrontation from the beginning because these are people coming from different uh, kind of livelihoods and different kind of uh, in, uh, cultural environments. So that changes, and I think that that creates a very different feeling in the American South. That doesn't mean that you don't have crime, you don't have problems. It's just the relationship to power and policing changes dramatically. I could see that to be true. Charles, you, you do a hell of a job. And by the way, uh, I consider you an acquaintance now, so if you want me to talk to Curtis Blow and get him to stop using your name, I could do that for you. <laughs> You know, he follows me. He follows me on social media. <laughs> <laughs> does he really? <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> I love that, Charles. Charles, uh, I understand your, your point, absolutely. Uh, I, I think it's a, a good idea. Majority always, well, I don't want to say rules. That's not a good word to use here. But the majority does very, very well. I understand your point 100%. And I just, 
I, I loved having you on. Please come back more often. The HBO documentary film South to Black Power release date is today. Charles Blow, journalist, commentator, and op-ed columnist for the New York Times, political analyst for MSNBC. Now, how are you going to walk away from all that, all that, uh, that, that you made so... I mean, you made a hell of a career for yourself, Charles. Listen, everything's digital. I should do it from Atlanta. <laughs> Actually, you kind of remind me of my mother because she did the same thing when I asked her a question. She'd go, what are you talking about? She'd go, her voice would go up. She started getting... So, Charles, you made me feel at home. I appreciate that, sir. But, uh, you know, look, I, I think any way that, that anything that makes people, any people happier, I'm all for. That works for me, right? Thank you so much. Thank you, Charles. Charles Blow, ladies and gentlemen. That was a hell of an interview, I thought. Yeah. yeah. Packing my bags, and I don't think I'm going to move to Atlanta because that's a little dicey from uh, what I've been seeing on the news, but I'll uh, head down <laughs> Baton Rouge. Yeah, Baton Rouge way. I'm going to miss you. Yeah, all. <laughs> all, all right. <laughs> He's ready to go. I understand the point. As he, you know, mm-hmm. as he pointed out, this already been done in Vermont. Uh Young people change their politics there completely. Now, the one problem you have is, I mean, not with Curtis's situation, but what they did in Vermont is they all had the same exact politics, which is never a good idea. I was going to say, like, the idea of any group of people, like, hey, let's all move to one area. Yeah. If you get a one state that's all just one type of person, it's a red flag. Like, I need some sort of pushback you need a little bit of pushback to make sure that you keep everything kind of in check and checks and balances and stuff like that so but yeah i don't i don't think we're in uh worry of any uh big migration of black people to the south i think there's two two documentaries i've seen where these big groups try to take over like a small town Mm -hmm. and one was like a kkk group yeah and moved to a small town i think it was in north dakota I can't remember. And then another one was Wild Wild Country, the documentary, where this like cult was it the Waco? No, cult? it wasn't they Waco. Did the same thing, no, but of. yeah, Waco did do the, the. They moved to Oregon, like um, for some like some small, and everyone hated them. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like it is really weird when a big group is like, "Let's all move." Right, and especially if it's a small town, like you yeah. need the big city infrastructure to be able to support your yeah. mass. So like, like, move to Minneapolis or something like yeah, that. Yeah, try, yeah. try that in a small town. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there you go. That'll work for me. I love the I, I loved having Charles on. I thought he did a hell of a job. A very bright man, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and I, to have him on right after I just went through the area he's talking about, uh, I understand what he's saying. Uh, I, I, so you want to move to which part of Louisiana is your family from? Uh, Jonesville is where they're originally from. It's a small town. It's kind of, I think it's about two hours south of uh, Baton Rouge or New Orleans. Oh, it's right there. Oh, so it's beautiful. Yeah. That's oh, a yeah. great area. Yeah, it's a very small town. But yeah, I lived in Baton Rouge for about a year when I moved down there with some family. And I would move back down there in a heartbeat. Baton Rouge, does that mean in red stick? Does it? Sure. I don't know. That's a great question. I didn't ask. I just I just showed up and was eating ribs and, <laughs> and hanging out. Like, I don't know. See, this gave me an opportunity to, to tell you guys something. I'm at, it just popped into my head because of the timing of this whole thing is amazing. The fact that I literally just a few days ago went through the exact areas he's talking about. I get to Florida and I've never mentioned this before. And the only reason I mentioned it now is because the, the uh, conversation we just had, I would say 75, 80% of my friends in Florida are black. 
I did. It didn't. I didn't go searching for friends. They didn't come searching for me. It's just the way the whole thing worked out. Right. Right. And Baton Rouge does mean red stick. Yeah, yeah, red stick. Yeah. So, I get to Florida, and all of a sudden, my friend Brew, who by the way, Brew is about uh, about your same size, as a matter of fact, and I do believe he could whip Muhammad Ali's ass. I'm just saying. Back in the good, back in the good days. That's all I'm saying. Brew, he sees me, runs over, gives me this big hug, and he, this fella picked me up. You got to be pretty yeah. strong to pick me up. Yep. You know what I'm saying. Uh, I ran into Charles, my friend. I ran into all my. Every one of them gave me a hug. Southerners have a different deal because they're you know they're not just some of them are Floridians. Most of they're all from the South, but they have a different approach to life. Yeah, it's a much more. Yeah, it's a much more laid back kind of slow pace at times where it's you know because it's so hot where a lot of people are you know inside all day and then at night they come out and hang out because the sun's down and it's cooler so it's yeah i don't know it's just a different pace i feel like they're much nicer down there Absolutely. like southern hospitality i think is way better than minnesota nice for example not that well, minnesotans aren't nice it's just it's just different. no no no, I, no you're right you're absolutely it's not that they're not nice people except for the ones i don't like oh, yeah. but anyway no. I have a friend, Anderson. Anderson, also a black man in America today, smart ass that he is. I walk up, he goes, Tommy. And he bows to me. And I start <laughs> laughing. I'm like, that's my ass with that stuff, Anderson. I just, I'm real. The timing of this, I don't know what it is about this trip that all this stuff keeps popping up that I just experienced. Yeah. I already talked to you guys about the fact that I'm driving through the South and I, these white people are talking to one another. I have no idea what the hell they're saying. We're all talking to guys. It was unbelievable. I'm like, what oh. the hell are you saying? Especially if you get into like the deep swamp south oh. area, it's, oh, yeah. you need subtitles or you just nod your head and you keep going with about your day. Cause you're not going to understand anything. I remember the first time, you know, speaking of you driving down South, the first time I drove down there, I, it was probably 10, 11 o'clock at night. I was hungry. So I pull into a McDonald's quick, just going to stop, keep on going. And I like pull up to the door and I notice that there's these black spots all over the outside of the McDonald's. And I look a little closer and the spots are moving. And it's these Whoa. huge like cicada type. Oh, oh yeah. All over the place. And so that for me, deal breaker. Done. Nope. I'm going through the drive through. Nope. So get to the drive through. I crack the window just enough so they can hear me say my order. Pull up to the window, slide my card through the little crack in the window, swipe, give it back. Well, now I got the dilemma of how do I get my food in the car? So she's holding the bag outside the window. <laughs> I quick roll down, snatch the bag, roll my window back up. and like, we made it. So I'm pulling out. And I'm about to pull out onto the road. And I hear this like hissing sound. And I look down on the bag and there is a fat ass cicada bug thing on the bag and it just it takes off flying you'd have thought there was a murderer in my car i get out of the car like throwing the bag all over the place i had a near-death experience in a mcdonald's parking lot probably about seven people probably about seven people watching this grown man just absolutely have a panic attack because there's a bug in his car oh how big is this bug about the the palm the size of the palm of your hand i would say yeah about this not 
about the size of the palm of my hand. I mean, if we got that bug in here today, it probably was very tiny. But to me, it was the size of a baby bird. Like a cicada. They're long, but they're not that wide. They're, it was huge. It they're, was at least. And they're scary up close because they yeah. look all sorts of creepy you don't crawly. Have to tell me. Man, down south, you got all sorts of things. Like, I. I, I couldn't do it. The snakes, the blizzards, like all of the. The bite, bugs the red ants, the ones that bite. Uh, they just like attack things. No, it's a lot down no. south. So before we. We move anywhere. I, we need to have a meeting and hey, come to Minnesota. Yes, it's cold, but we don't have all those <laughs> right. bugs. No, that is true. One thing I really love about today's show is Amy came in, made us all feel better about humanity. Mm-hmm. We have Charles on, same situation, different subjects. This was not about we're gonna abandon you and leave you in our you know in the rear view mirror. This we don't get the hell away from it. That's not what it was about at all. It was about let's Move back to our roots. The you know the white people already did it in Vermont years ago. It was nothing negative about his message at all. No, and I th- what I took from it more was that he's really saying the emphasis should be on your state level politics, not necessarily the yeah. national. If you want to yep. create change, so whether you're going to move across the country or not, if you wherever you're at, make sure you pay attention. Whatever side of the coin you are. Pay attention to your state-level politics more so because that's going to have more of an effect on your day-to-day life. I would agree completely. I, I, I thought those two of the best guests back-to-back that we've had uh, in a while. I mean, our guests have been great, don't get me wrong, but very emotional. Both things are very emotional subjects, which I tend to lean toward where there's feeling about the whole thing. It's not just about, hey, you're talking to talk. You actually have some emotion about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that kind of conversation. You know what I mean? It's a lot. It's a lot. It is. And he never, ever once said, and I was hoping that he wouldn't, never once did he say, we got to abandon the North. That's not his message at all. That's not what he was talking about at all. And I, I was waiting for some sort of like, you know, death to whitey type comment. Cause I was like, I'm going to jump all like, what are you like? What are you doing here, sir? But no, yeah, he was, it, Definitely wasn't what I was expecting, and not, which was a good thing. Here's what I love about this. Tevin put somebody on he hopes is going to go after Whitey. I really like well, no, that a lot. When I first, well, when I first like, was reading through his biography, I was like, oh, I don't know if this would be a great fit. And then as I was like reading you know, what uh, Art sends, I was wow. like, is this guy, I was like, this guy might be crazy. Like, are we having a crazy person on the show? And so I'm glad that he was not, and we didn't have to shoot holes in all of his theories. No, you couldn't. That's very hard to argue about anything the man said. He's very, very well educated, very well spoken. I mean, he's very extremely successful. And it wasn't about hurting anyone. It was about helping black people, not hurting white people. It's a big difference. Yeah. Right. Right. Which, by the way, AJ just got his third yawn in today. You do realize you're on camera when oh, you yawn. Are like black that. people boring to you, AJ? Yeah, is that AJ. Yeah, <laughs> AJ. Is no, that the problem? No, I was I was thinking about how boring it would be to move down to down to Louisiana. Oh, Louisiana's phenomenal. Oh, if you go to the right parts of Louisiana, it's amazing. Yep. My favorite Louisiana story is New Orleans. First time I was ever in New Orleans. It was quite the experience. You ever been in New Orleans? Yes, and it is to say it's quite the experience is probably sums up every like everybody's experience in New Orleans because it is you see everything. I saw a grandmother on a milk crate twerking in the middle of the street (laughs) while, you know, a block down. There was a preacher saying that, you know, everybody here on Bourbon Street is going to die a horrible death because everybody's the worst. And then if you go 
you can also get like the greatest soul food that you've ever had oh, in yeah. your life. But then you go one block in the wrong direction and it's, uh, I forget, I think it's like the St. Louis cemetery and you mm-hmm. might never come back because you'll get kidnapped and murdered. It's, it's oh, ridiculous. Yes. You go to Mrs. B's to eat? Uh, no, I did not. I went to this place. It was called Booties. I don't even know if it's still down there, but it was Booties. the greatest okay. Asian food ever. I was eating out at Booties. That's a real nice. Thing yeah, to yeah. Say. I wouldn't say don't say eating out at Booties. <laughs> Do it, Tevin. I heard you're a big booty eater. Yeah, yeah you yeah, eat booty no, every yeah. Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no. Now I get I get it. My, the audience to the show over the years knows I've told this story many times because it's one of my favorite stories to tell. Anyway. But I had just been down in Louisiana after the hurricane hit because Kathy and I were trying to help people out and all the rest of it. And if you do that, by the way, watch your back because there are a lot of thieves in town and try to get as much money out as they possibly can. Mm. Uh, <laughs> a friend of mine, Gene, goes down there and he's staying in New Orleans and he wakes up at two o'clock in the morning. He said, whenever I travel, I just wake up in the middle of the night and I go downstairs and I have a cigar or something. I just got to do something because I can maybe try to get back to sleep. So he's sitting on the front steps of the hotel in New Orleans and it's two o'clock in the morning and he's smoking a cigar and it's about seven year old little black girl comes skipping rope down. It's two o'clock in the morning, right? Sounds like a horror And she's film. skipping rope. She comes up and she looks at Gene. She goes, what are you doing? He goes, what do you mean? He said, what are you doing outside at 2 o'clock in the morning? This is a 7-year-old girl. And he goes, I'm just trying to relax a so I can go back to sleep. And she said, well, you better hurry up with that cigar or they're going to kill you. <laughs> Jesus. I'd be in so quick. I'd be in quicker than you were afraid of grasshoppers that I would, one day. I would be back inside, packed my bags, and on the first flight out. Because one little girl, what are you doing out here at two, two a.m. skipping back? Exactly. No, I've seen The Shining. That's what this feels like. I'm, I am out of here. Yeah, good call. Oh yeah. Oh, we got to take a break. Uh, my God, I those two interviews. I I, I really enjoyed both of them. And I still think the fact that semen and blow were on the same show really works out. Yeah, we should have reversed the order, but. Yeah, yeah, probably. We'll be right back in a couple minutes right after this. This is the Tom Bernard Show. This is Bob Sansevier, and I want to tell you about Dave Bialki from Bialki Law. Dave represented my wife, Mary, when she had a significant workplace injury. She was very happy with the job Dave did. If you have a work-related injury and have Dave represent you, I'm betting you'll be happy, too. Dave is a down-to-earth guy. He grew up in northern Minnesota, rides a Harley, and worked various jobs doing concrete, electrical, plumbing, roofing, and carpentry work. Dave works for people with work-related injuries. If you work construction, or anywhere for that matter, and you're hurt or even just hurting, you should talk to Dave. Let's face it, our bodies wear out. If your body is worn out from work, if your knees are back or shoulders hurt from things you do at work, do what Mary did. Call Dave and talk to him about it at Bialki Law to set up a free initial conversation consultation the number to call is 763-571-2410 that's 763-571-2410 or visit bialkilaw.com that's b-i-a-l-k-e law.com you have all helped support my pillow and their employees in these tough economic times mike lindell knows this and continues to give back to listeners with great deals on his most popular products Right now, you can save 50% on Queen and King pillows and the original My Slippers, and the My Pillow six pack bath towel sets are back in stock. The proprietary technology makes them extremely absorbent, yet still provides that soft feel you look for in a towel. 
set comes with two bath towels, two hand towels, and two washcloths. Regular price is $79.98. And for a limited time, you can get this six-pack towel set for only $39.99 with promo code TOM. That's a 50% savings. So go to MyPillow.com, use promo code TOM to save 50% on the MyPillow six-pack towel sets. That is just $39.99 for a set. This deal will not last long. Enter promo code TOM for this special and many more. Tom Bernard is back. Every weekday, you'll hear Tommy B, Brittany Arneson. Yes, that Brittany Arneson. Along with Tom's pals, Kent Herbeck on Fridays, Bob Sansevier, Mike Stretch Gelfan, Tim Lammers, and from Channel 5 Eyewitness News, Chris Eggert and Kristen Burt on entertainment and pop culture. It's Tom and the crew with opinions on news, opinions on life, opinions on entertainment, and of course, opinions on opinions on other people's stupid opinions. The Tom Bernard Show is a podcast, so you can listen when you want to listen. In the car, on the way to or from work, at home, on the job site, or wherever you need your Tommy B Show fix. Hear the show on the Tom Bernard Show app in your app store, as a podcast on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts, or see it on YouTube on the Tom Bernard Show channel. 